Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, good morning again from Connections Church, and thank you all for being here again today. A beautiful fall Sunday, finally. I want you to turn and tell somebody nearby you how good they look today. Just go ahead and tell them, man, you're looking good today. <clears throat> and we don't lie. It's one of the top ten. We got to tell the truth, right? So you know they're being honest and, and man, great, great looking and great bunch of people to, to do life in church with. And thank you again so much for coming out and being a part of what God's doing here at Connection. So uh, if you haven't already, grab your handout. And if you didn't get one by chance, uh, there are some out in the uh, foyer area near the what? Big blue wall. I wore my blue sneaks today in honor of the new unveiling of the big blue wall and a blue shirt just to be festive and in the mood, right? Some of you others did too. You're looking good out there in your blue. So the big blue wall is going to be the connecting point for just about everything that goes on here at Connections. And if you have your handouts in your hand, turn them over to the side that says notes. So you can follow along big letters at the top, notes. It's hard to miss. You can follow along with us this morning as we journey through God's word. And you're here on a great Sunday. As we like to say, every Sunday is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, one person is a great Sunday. Every Sunday is? Yeah, that's a lot better. We are kicking off a brand new study entitled Imprison, and today we're talking about finding joy in a jail cell. How many of you have ever been to jail? Don't raise your hand. I'm just... <laughs> Got two young guys back here, and I'm not surprised by these two. They might need to be in jail right now, but, but you don't have to go to jail. I've done some jail and prison ministry, and I'm telling you, it's not where you want to be. I don't like being cooped up in the same place constantly. How many of you are like that? That's one of the reasons I hate snow. The other reason it's too cold and it's just miserable, but the other reason is is most people get stuck inside for days on end when you get a really big snow around here. And if you know me at all, you know I get stir crazy. Because like the first few hours, I'm okay with it, but after like hour six, surrounded by your loving family, cooped up in the same place for that long. It's like, okay, I've got to make a jailbreak here. I can't stay in this situation much longer. How many of you know what I'm talking about? One of the reasons I hate jail, man, our world's looking for joy and happiness in a lot of places, right? We've tried that. We've tried all kinds of things that promise to make us joyful, make us happy, bring, bring that satisfaction to life that we all desire. We, we, we ventured out down roads we should never have went and, and just under the allure that it's going to bring that joy to our lives. None of it works. And yet people continue to search high and low, far and wide for that thing called joy and happiness. They, they, they dig through all kinds of things and, and try all kinds of experience and, and anything that somebody comes along and says, this is going to do it right here, give it a shot. Many people will jump on board, go for it, and find out at the end of the day, it doesn't bring joy. And there's a whole different thing between joy and happiness. We're going to get into that a little bit later on, but, but here's what I, I want you to know. One of the last places you would ever think to look was, would be in a jail cell. But that's exactly where we find the Apostle Paul, the man who turned from killing Christians to building God's kingdom. The man had an encounter with God on the road one day, and God said to him, it's time to stop running from me and start running to me. That same man who put many Christians to death wrote three-fourths of the New Testament after his conversion. God got a hold of his life 
But, but as a part of that, look at me right now, church. What he didn't realize was that he was going to go through hell on earth to proclaim, to live, to promote, to preach, to teach God's good news called the gospel of his salvation. He was going to be beaten and battered. He was going to be mistreated and abused. He was going to be thrown in jail time and time again, put in shackles, at one point shackled to a prison guard because they didn't want him to get out because God kept showing up and getting him out of the jail cell. But nevertheless, this man had something in him that the world could not take away, and that was the joy of the Lord, the true powerful, real, life-giving joy of the Lord that so many, everybody longs for, but so many seem to miss it. That's what we're gonna talk about today. How many of you grew up in church and went to Sunday school like a good little, little child? You remember those songs, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you want joy, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't do that to you this morning. It's all about joy. Listen, life is about joy and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And we're going to walk through the pages of Philippians today, the first chapter, a few verses there, and we're going to find out that we don't have to live. Have you ever felt like you lived trapped and, and shackled and bound up and, and you just didn't have that thing that we desire of joy and peace and freedom in Jesus? We're gonna find out what life is supposed to be all about. The book of Philippians written by the apostle Paul, while he himself once again was bound in chains in a prison cell, teaches us some very powerful life-changing principles that will unleash God's ability and power in our lives and help us overcome whatever circumstances we will face in our lives. And, and, and let me just ask this. How many of you went through some circumstances just this past week? How many of you going through some right now? There's a lot of hands going up. We will face them on a regular basis. They will come as waves do on a seashore. So as we travel through this, this powerful material, we're gonna learn how to experience the full and vibrant life that God has meant for every one of us to live. Listen to me as I read through Philippians chapter one, and we're gonna begin at verse three, and read down through verse 11 is where we're gonna camp out today. Paul wrote these words to the church in Philippi that he founded himself years before that. He said, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until right now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of this, of you all, because I have you in my where? In my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you all are, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ, verse nine. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and the discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Does that sound like the writings of a man who's in prison? 
who's shackled to, to a guard maybe who's bound up. How many of you watch the TV programs now about experiences in jail? Maybe Scared Straight, you ever, you ever seen that one? Any of those real life documentaries where they take you inside the prison system of America and you kind of see what it's like? Inmates mistreating each other, guards mistreating inmates, just a, a, a terrible place to be. As I mentioned a moment ago, you're confined constantly, no freedom, no choice of, hey, I think I'll get up and go fishing today. Not gonna happen. Hey, I think I'll have pizza today. Well, you're getting slopped today, just like every other. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just a terrible place to be. Awful conditions. And that brings us to the first thing there on your outline that I simply want to mention is that Paul's conditions did not dictate his condition. (laughs) Kind of a play on words, right? And what we mean by that is simply the truth of the reality that whatever you find yourself in on the outside, whatever the conditions are around you, doesn't mean that it has to dictate what's going on on the inside of us. And the powerful reality of that is when we know Jesus Christ, when we walk with him in fellowship, every day is a great day. Doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. Doesn't matter how the weather is. Some of you are going to a ball game today, maybe to see the Panthers try to win another one somehow. And you're hoping and praying, God, keep the weather great and stuff. And if you get over there and you start your tailgate and all of a sudden the rain just starts pouring down, then you're going to be kind of upset, right? Because the conditions changed. You're like, where'd that come from? Now you're stuck in your car trying to keep dry until you can go inside the gates and get into the ball game and stuff. Listen, Paul understood something very powerful here. It didn't matter if he was in prison. They could could chain him to somebody or something. They could whip him. They could abuse him. But guess what? They could not touch what was on the inside of him. That relationship with Christ that he held above everything else as the prized possession of his life did not, would not, could not be affected by the outside conditions. We're condition-driven people all too often. We are moved by the, the situation. We're moved by the circumstances. We, we kind of get caught up in, in living our lives, being dictated by something that, that is a good thing but can be a very, very, very bad thing, and that is this thing called feelings. Oh, I'm just not feeling it today. You get up in the morning, it's Sunday morning. I remember a few times my mom would struggle and she would be so tired after standing on her feet all week and working hard all week. And, and, a, and a few times she would get up on Sunday morning very rarely and say, kids, I just don't think we're gonna go to church today. I'm just not feeling real good. And that was very, very rare for her. Because I'm telling you, every time the doors were open, we were there. And I would think to myself, man, awesome, we get to sleep in. I can sit down and eat Cap'n Crunch for two hours after I wake up at noon, and this is going to be a, just like a Saturday. How many of you ever went through a whole box of Cap'n Crunch in one sitting? I don't even eat cereal anymore, but when I was growing up, I lived off that stuff. And I'd sit there in front of the Saturday morning cartoons, because that's the only time cartoons came on back in my day. And I would just fix bowl after bowl and just keep eating. Next thing I'm going to be like, huh, I ate the whole thing. Okay, What's next? But every once in a while, she'd come in and say, we're not going, and I would feel that excitement and joy because as a kid, you know what? You didn't like being drugged to church all the time, although it was the best thing in the world for me. But I remember going back and kind of tossing back in my bed again, thinking I'm going to sleep another two hours, and then all of a sudden, I'd hear that door open again. All right, come on, kids, get ready. We're going. She wouldn't let the feeling of being tired and exhausted 
And I guarantee you without fail, every time that incident would happen, which again I said was rare, she would, after service was over with, she would say in the car, man, I'm glad I didn't let the devil rob me out of my blessing day. This was the best day. And I feel, I feel alive. But too often we're dictated by the conditions and, and how we feel and, and all the stuff around us, the, 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 the everyday junk of this world. And we let it affect the inside of us. But Paul would not do that. He rejoiced in the Lord. One of the greatest signs of a genuine Christian life is the ability to rejoice even in the most difficult of circumstances. And this kind of Christian joy is what the prisoners in the Philippian prison saw in Paul and Silas when they were singing in the prison at midnight and, and worshiping God. And I'll tell you why, church, because Paul knew joy, because Paul knew the giver of joy personally in his own heart and life. You may have looked at somebody. You may have looked at, at, at multiple people in your time here on this earth, and you, you've thought to yourself, man, whatever it is they've got, I sure would love to have. They just have something different. They just are full of life and full of joy and full of passion, and, and they never seem to, to, to wind down. Their battery never seems to drain and go to empty, and, and I don't know what it is, but they've got something. I'm going to tell you the something that they've got. They've got a relationship with Jesus Christ that is rock solid and it's not based on conditions. It's not based on how I'm feeling today or what kind of mood I might find myself in in the next few moments. No, it's based on the reality that Jesus Christ came. He lived a life here. He surrendered his life. He raised from the dead on that third day just as he said he would. He conquered death, hell, and the grave and he told us a promise before he left to go back home. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come back and get you and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you will be also. And those people that you look at and long for the kind of stuff they've got in their lives, they know that without a shadow of a doubt. They live that every moment of the day. They don't let the conditions of this world, they don't let an F on a paper or, or a job loss or anything else take that from them. They do not let the conditions of this world still rob them. Take away the joy that is only found in a deep, powerful, personal relationship with Christ Jesus. Paul was in prison, but I'm gonna tell you something. He wasn't in prison. He was free in his heart. One of the greatest lessons in life is to not let the conditions you may find yourself in dictate the conditions of your heart and your life. Throughout the book of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice are repeatedly used. The Greek Bible word for joy has a basic meaning of cheerfulness or gladness, but it's more than just mere surface happiness. It is something, something far deeper. King David in his writings in Psalm chapter four said these words, you have put gladness in my heart. Listen to this church. You have put gladness in my heart more than when the grain and the new wine abound. You might be thinking, what's he talking about? Grain and wine? I, I, you know. In other words, he's saying this. The happiness and joy that God gives us is more than what worldly people experience when they have a lot of food and a lot of drink and a lot of stuff. It's far deeper than that. It does not depend on the conditions. Have, have you gotten that yet? You could have the worst week ever this coming week. 
But I'm telling you something, if Jesus lives in your life fully, powerfully, if the love of God is abounding mightily in your life, then guess what? The worst week of your life is gonna be one of the best weeks of your life. You say, Pastor, that makes no sense whatsoever. I agree with you. I don't know how it happens, but I do know this, that through the worst times of our lives, we feel Christ closer to us than all the good times of our lives possibly. And, and I don't even understand how it all works, but I just know this, that only Jesus can truly give us real joy for living. That's the way it works. Jesus said in John's gospel that the joy he gives, no one can do what? What was that, Pastor Joe? Huh? Take it away. He says, the joy I give you, nobody in this world can steal it from you. Nobody can take it away from you. It is there permanently. Why? Because it's me giving you that joy, and I am eternal, and my joy is forever. Joy is something we all want in our lives. We all want that kind of gladness that you can have even in the times of difficulty, but how do we accomplish that? Well, I want to share that with you in the next few moments as we wrap this up. Paul knew what that joy was. While he was again in prison and he was writing this letter to the Philippians and it reveals to us in our, in our passage today several things that we're going to find out will build joy in our lives. And I want you to again listen to verses three and four where he said, I thank my God in all remembrance of you always offering prayer with, with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until right now. These verses teach us several more things about how we build joy in our lives, starting with number two in your outline there. Very simply, this is one of the keys to it. Continual prayer is a joy builder. He said, all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. When you read these verses, one of the things that you might surmise is that Paul sure must have prayed for the Philippians a whole lot, right? Where he says, all my remembrance of you and always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. That, that, that sounds like a whole lot of praying. But, but what's even more astounding is when you read throughout the rest of, of the New Testament letters that, that Paul has written, you see how many other times he said something exactly like this, when he wrote to the Romans, Paul said, for God is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making requests to the Corinthians. He wrote, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you in Christ Jesus to the church at Ephesus. He wrote, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. To the Colossians, he wrote, we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. To the Thessalonians, he writes these words, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith. Now, now you hear that over and over and over again. I want you to get this picture out of your head. You, you ever went to school or maybe worked with someone who was a player, as they call them now? Back in my day again, and man, I'm sounding old this morning. We just, we just call them Romeo, you know? Oh, Romeo, Romeo stringing them along. You know what I'm talking, you're talking about now? And, and to each one of them, he would write little love notes that sounded kind of like this. Man, I think about you always. When I lay my head down at night on my pillow, yours is the last face I see. When I dream those dreams at night, baby, it's, it's you I'm dreaming of. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. I was one of those guys. No, it wasn't me. I just had a guy I knew that told me that, you know, he just... And, and you hear these things of Paul of these different churches that he started and he sent these same messages to. I'm thinking about you always. I'm praying for you always. I'm thanking God for you constantly. I mean, you think to yourself, how could one guy do all that? He must have been praying nonstop. Well, you know, in one passage he writes to us and tells us, pray without, what was that? What does that mean? Don't stop Believe in, no, that's journey song. Sorry, get that out of my head. Okay, don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Keep on. You think to yourself and you ask the question, how in the world is that possible? Because I'm going to tell you something. When I'm making my Pop-Tarts in the morning, I'm just thinking about them suckers popping out of that toaster. I'm ready to grab them. I'm like, come on, baby. Come on, come on. Got it. I'm really not praying. Well, in a sense, you are. You're praying those Pop-Tarts are going to come out and be hot and ready and delicious for you in just a matter of seconds because you can't wait. You're starving. You've been asleep all night. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about here's what we do. We wake up in conversation with, with God. We wake up just with God on our minds. I, I, like I've said before, man, one of the first things I do is read my scripture and then I peek out my window and watch the sun coming up back on the right side of the horizon from my, my bedroom window. And I look out there and I say, thank you, God, for another day because I can see that sun rising. And I just begin to pray in my heart and my spirit. And, and throughout the day, I try to keep that attitude of prayer. Even when I'm working with Joseph and Terry and Scott, and it's hard to do that with those guys sometimes, I still, even it will actually drive your prayer life even greater. I'm just kidding, guys. I love you guys. You know, we're close. But you know those times you're riding down the road and nobody's in the car with you? For some of you, that's a lot. For some of you, that's rare. I love Pastor Scott. He'll just... He'll just tell us, yeah, I rode all the way up to the mountains. I didn't turn the radio on once. And what I know that means with that man is that he was just, he was talking to God. No distractions, just. You see, Paul's not a liar here when he tells all of those churches, I love you, I think about you, and I thank God for you constantly, and I pray for you constantly. He wasn't stringing them all along and, and wanting them all to think, man, this is a great leader we have here. We, we love this guy. He's thinking, no, he was genuine and sincere. He said, well, how do you know? You didn't meet the guys 2,000 years ago. He was alive. You just know it. Here's, here's a powerful principle about keeping joy. You're like, how do you whoop, tie those two together, Pastor? I mean, you talk about praying constantly and praying without ceasing and, and always praying. And, and what does that mean? Here's the reality of it. When we pray, we usher in the presence of God in a powerful, real way into our, our situation, our lives, our moments, our times, our days. That we, we, we consciously make the effort to talk with Jesus when we pray because that's what prayer is. You get that much right now? So let me ask you this. When we're doing that, when we're engaging with Christ in that conversational way by praying in our lives on a, on a constant basis somewhat, as Paul describes here, what happens is that we are ushering in the very presence of Jesus in that way. So what's that going to automatically do when Jesus shows up? What happens? There is fullness of joy. Our joy level just goes through the roof because we're praying. How many of you remember the first encounter between John the Baptist and his cousin Jesus. When John's mom, Elizabeth, walked into the room and Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, was in the room 
And the two ladies who were pregnant with these two, two mighty men of God, those little bitty baby seeds in their bellies. My shirt's getting a little tight. I might have to go on a diet this week. They encountered each other in that way, both expecting these, these men of God. What's the Bible say happened when, when that encounter took place? That John the Baptist did what in his mother's womb? He leapt for joy. When an encounter with Jesus happens, it's gonna bring joy, folks. I'm telling you something. When we're praying without ceasing this, guess what happens? We usher heaven to us. We, we engage with that presence of Christ. And when we do that, the joy just exponentially grows and grows and grows. It's a powerful thing. That's why Paul encouraged us and said to us, pray without ceasing. Psalm 1611, write this down in your notes somewhere so you can go back and read it. Tells us, in your presence, Lord, is fullness of what? Of what? Yeah, a little hint, we're talking about joy, so that would be the right answer there. Fullness of joy. Man, I love that. In the presence of Jesus is fullness of joy. Next, number three on your outline, outline it's easy for me to say, continual thanksgiving is also a joy builder. In verse three, he said, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. Here we see that one of the greatest keys to joy is gratitude. Paul said, I thank my God. Not just praying in general, but specifically giving God thanks is one of the keys to having contentment and joy in our lives. You see, people look at the Apostle Paul and wonder, how could he rejoice considering the situation he was in? In that story in Acts chapter 16, he and Silas, Paul and Silas, were on that missions trip in a foreign country, and they were thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. Can you imagine our team? Listen to me now. Can you imagine our team that's about to leave for Honduras this evening? How, how, how you would feel... If you get arrested and thrown into prison while you're over there, what if while you're doing that VBS with those precious children of the Bordeaux that Joy and Kelly work with day in and day out, the Honduran police show up and they come and they arrest you for teaching Jesus to those kids and take you and throw you into their prison. How would you feel about that? Just like I thought, not real excited. That's exactly what happened to Paul and Silas. And yet from that prison in Philippi, they began to sing for joy to God at midnight. And now, here we find Paul is in prison again, writing to the Philippians and talking about the joy that he has. You know, many times people throw around Philippians 4.13, which says what? And that's a beautiful thing. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's, that's a wonderful promise. I think all too often we use it a little lightly. We're going into that geometry test. Thursday morning we didn't study for. And we're taking a big step of faith and we're quoting that scripture. I, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're about to shoot those free throws in, in the big game. Conference championship. We're at the line and we're thinking to ourselves, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. We let that thing fly. And I'm not belittling those things. Those are good things. But, but I kind of want you to understand what the, the situation was that, that Paul found himself in while writing these words. He was writing these words again from prison. And he had just said in verse 12 that he had learned how to be content in whatever circumstances he found himself in. He could abase and he could abound. He could, he could live the good life or he could live the rough life. No matter what life threw at him. 
He was content in Jesus Christ. Just where we started about 15 minutes ago, that the conditions did not interfere with the condition of his heart. So therefore, he makes this statement. He writes those words, whatever condition I find myself in, if for the glory of God I find myself in the depths of a prison chained to a guard, I can rejoice in God. I can do that. It's not going to touch me. It's not going to rip me from my faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing this world has to throw at me is going to diminish my love for Jesus. If I am dining with the kings and, and have a seat of honor at the table of the kings of, of this, this world, then, then guess what? That's not going to sway me away from Christ either. I'm not going to get so enamored with, with the power and the authority that the, the rulers of this world has that I'm going to get lost in that and want that for myself and say, the heck with Christ and that future kingdom. I'll take the kingdom now. That's not going to do anything to me. Whether it's good, whether it's bad. No matter what, I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. Church, that, that is life right there. That is what faith is all about. And the reason Paul could be content in these circumstances is because he walked with God daily. That key element in that daily walk was constantly giving thanks. Paul was always praying, always giving thanks. For example, the Philippians, grab the edges of your seat there. I don't want you to fall out, but the Philippians were not a perfect church. If you read a little bit ahead in, in the book of Philippians, which is very short, you can discern that they had their issues and their problems. From, from chapter 2, you see that they had some selfish divis division among the people. They were very divisive, some of them, and, and really, hold on here, some of them were actually grumblers. I know. I know that doesn't happen here at Connections. We're very, very blessed to be immune to that, but... It happens in some churches, even, even churches. Chapter 3 shows us they had some danger from some legalistic false teachers who were trying to lure them back into Judaism. Chapter 4 flat out says that a couple of women in the church were at odds with each other. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Okay, my bad. And Paul called them by name there. You got to be kidding me. He put their name in there. I mean, he calls him out. How would you like to be called out by Paul in the book? I mean, this book is lasting forever. The Bible tells us his word shall not pass away. Paul calls him out by name. Now, I know what, what's going to happen. Some of you are going to be thinking, did he put mine in there too somewhere? Let me check. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so be relieved by that. But they had some problems by far it wasn't the perfect church, but there isn't one out there yet. But Paul didn't begin his letter focusing on all these things. If you'll notice with me again, back to the, to the, the, the verses we, we talked about, he began with thanksgiving. I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. And that is evidently the way that he prayed as well. He focused on giving thanks for the good things God was doing and it helped him stay joyful. Because you know as well as I do, you start focusing on the bad things on the negative, on the junk, on the gossip, on the mess, on the problems, then what's going to happen? You're going to be sucked right into that, that dark hole. And next thing you know, you're going to be overwhelmed by it. You're going to be enveloped by that, that darkness, that cloud. 
You're gonna be so so caught up in that mess that, that the joy of, of the Lord is, is nowhere near you. But instead, you're walking around in this doom and gloom and this mess. It's one of the reasons why God commands us in Psalm 100 to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with what? With praise, we should begin our prayers with thanksgiving, begin our days with thanksgiving, continually give thanks like Paul did. It's gonna make a huge difference in our lives if we will continually give thanks to God. Giving is a major key to joy. And this attitude of thanksgiving, that's exactly what it is. And man, attitudes can make or break you. They, they, can, they can raise you or they can drop you. I'm telling you, attitude is everything. You ever been around those people who's just positive, just upbeat, just like, man, we can go take that hill, man. We can raise that money, man. We can build that church, man. We can go to, to Honduras and we can see people come to Christ, man. God with us, who can be against us? We can do it all. That's the kind of attitude. It's like a magnet. You're just like, I want to be with that guy. I want to hang out with him, man. I want to I do life with that sister right there. But when you got that doom and gloom attitude and complaining and grumbling all the time and sad and down, People will run from you like you got the plague. That doesn't draw people. It, it repels people. Pushes them away. Paul was a can-do kind of guy. He was the kind of guy that said, man, nothing is impossible with Christ, and with him we can do all things. This is the attitude of thanksgiving. One of the most important attitudes in life, one of the biggest problems that so many people have is their outlook on life is so negative. And our relationships with other people, it affects them greatly. It's all about what they don't have, what they can't do, what their spouse doesn't do. It's all about what's wrong in the world, how terrible everything is. Gloom, despair, and agony on me, as they used to say on Hee Haw. Some of you are going, he what? What? What is that? Google, what's he haul? That's the way some people live life. I love positive. I love up. I love excitement. I love passion. I love that can do. I just run away from people that are negative. And you're like, well, pastor, you're the pastor. You're supposed to go help them. I'll pray for them from a little bit of a distance. Maybe a lot of a distance. I don't know. Probably so. Some people are critical about their jobs, their life, their spouse. What's going to change? Nothing if you don't. If you don't change your attitude, your outlook, your thankfulness. Turn your grumbling and complaining. I, I challenge you every time this week, you're ready to complain about something, stop yourself and begin to thank God for it. Begin to thank God for who he is. If you can't thank God for that, just thank him for who he is and dwell on him and thankful for the good things and, and focus on those things. Now, this isn't this positive attitude is gonna win at life kind of bull snot that's out there. And I, I cleaned that version up. It's not that kind of stuff. This is the real deal. Because I'm going to tell you something. I was having a talk with, with one of my family members the other week, and I said, you know what? We are probably in the 1% of the world as being a blessed people, as having the luxuries we have. I said, probably the, the 1% of the world, and we're not Bill Gates by no means, but guess what? We are richer than 99.5% of the rest of this world in this country that we live in. 
We have so much to be thankful for, and there's so little that we have to grumble and complain about. Why not major on the major? Why not look to God and be thankful continually, just as Paul is telling us to do? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you choose the thankfulness, lifestyle, and attitude, you're going to see the joy in your life exponentially grow until it just bursts all out of you, and you can't even contain it anymore. You're going to be spewing joy everywhere you go, and everybody you see, you're just going to dump joy on them. How does that sound to you? It should sound pretty good to you because as the people of God, that's exactly how we're supposed to live. Joyful, contagious joy, overwhelming joy. It should just blow the room away when we walk in with that smile on our face and that contentment in our hearts and that joy just spewing out of us everywhere we go. How you doing today? You're looking great, man. Love to be with you. What an awesome time we're having. People should just be knocked off their feet because joy has entered the room. And it's not us but it's Jesus in us. The author of joy, the giver of joy, joy himself, joy embodied. You say, well, that's pretty easy. He was Jesus, he had it made. Have you read scripture? (laughs) Have you read the way they treated him? And he did exactly what Paul learned from him to do. He didn't let the conditions disrupt the condition of his heart. He endured the cross for the, come on, Bible scholars. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. Okay, let's try it one more time. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. By George, I think you're getting it. What about us? And lastly, just running out of time here, the last thing on your outline, we find out what Paul tells us in verse five, that participation in the gospel is a joy builder. Let me read that to you one more time. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. What does that mean, pastor? That means uh, the, the Greek word here for participation is koinonia, which in the Greek, the word is, is, means fellowship. And koinonia also means to share something together with someone. So the meaning here that Paul is trying to get across was that the Philippians were sharing together in the gospel. And this is what he specifically mentioned that, that he was grateful for when he, when he prayed for them. The reason he was so thankful for this is that sharing in the gospel is the most important thing there is. You say, well, what exactly is sharing in the gospel? Me and you giving our lives to Jesus Christ. The good news, the gospel, that is translated in our vernacular, good news, it's Jesus our Savior. Jesus comes, saves us from our sins, gives us life, gives us fulfillment, gives us peace, gives us joy, right? That's partaking partaking in the gospel. We have partaken ourselves. It's just like somebody said, Pastor, don't you just get frustrated when people don't listen, they don't do, you know, you get up, you, Scott, Joseph, Terry, all of you get up and share and and all of our wonderful teacher connect connect group leaders and all that stuff and you just give and give and give and it doesn't change anything. And I told them, I said, listen, here's the deal. All we do is set the table. 
Every week we set the table. Every week we do our best to prepare the meal that we feel like God wants you to eat up. And all we can do is set the table. Man, we make these nice blue walls. We get air conditioner in this building. We build you facilities and stuff so you can come and you can bring others who desperately need the gospel. But what we can't do is make you pick up that fork and start putting it in your mouth. But here's the partaking part of it. You can do that. You can be here with your Bible. You can be prayed up when you come to church. You can be ready and expecting God to speak something profound in your life. You can be telling everybody that you know you need to be at church. You need to find Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for mankind. And you can sit down at that table and you can feast with us and you can partake of the word and you can search your scriptures and you can get ready for next week as we keep journeying through Philippians by reading the rest of the book this week partaking of the gospel. You're not a spectator. You know what? Last time I checked, God never called anybody to be a spectator of the gospel. Are you sit back there and you just watch how they do. You're not a judge. Never seen it in the word where God said, I want you to judge those people. You give them a score from one to 10 on how they're doing. When you stand before me, you turn in those scorecards. We'll just see how they did. You ever seen that in there, Pastor Shane? But here, Paul uses the right terminology. You are a partaker of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something. You say, well, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. That's not my thing. I'm definitely not a preacher. I couldn't get up and do what you do and stuff. I never thought I could either. I wasn't a kid in school going, I want to be in the play. I want to have the lead role. Get, let me in front of people. I ran from people. I hid in the back. Every class, you can, you can document it. I sat in the very back. Sometimes I wasn't even in the classroom. I was like, Houdini, like, where'd he go? I grew up shy. Pick your jaw back up. I didn't want anybody seeing anything I did. I just didn't want to partake. I wanted to hide. Here's a word for some of you people in this church. It's time to stop hiding. It's time to come and sit at the table. It's time for you to pick up your fork and your knife and you to begin to partake of the gospel of Christ for your life. And let me tell you something. It doesn't just nourish your life. It nourishes other lives when they're around you. At your places this week, I will not be at. Pastor Scott won't be there. Terry will not be there. Joseph will not be there. Shane will not be there. You're going to be at, at workplaces and classrooms. You're going to be mingling with people that I'll never get to, to encounter and, and rub shoulders with, but you will. And I'm going to tell you something. If you get a hold of this stuff like Paul did, like we are getting a hold of it, and you become a partaker of the gospel, then guess what? It's going to ooze out of you, not just that joy, but the good news of Jesus Christ, his love, his salvation, his forgiveness, his freedom is going to rub off of you onto those people around you. And that is the definition of a true partaker of the gospel. When it gets out of you onto others and it... It'll start in your house, bless you. Start in your home with your family, your workplaces, your neighborhoods. Paul said, I thank God that you are partaking of this glorious gospel, this life-changing truth of who Jesus is. Look at me, church, and all he came 
to impart into us. Would you close your eyes for just a moment right now? And I want to ask this very quickly. If you are lacking the true joy of knowing Jesus Christ in your life, or if you even say, Pastor, I've been a Christian a long time, but man, I'm telling you something, the joy of the Lord is just not there for me. I don't want to see a hand. I don't want to see, I just want to see you get up and come and join me here at the front of this church. Come on. This is your time, your moment. We're not waiting for music to start. We're not waiting for anything else. If you need the joy of the Lord in your life for whatever reason, whatever's happened, whatever hasn't happened, would you just come and stand with me right now? And at the same time, if you're in this room and you say, you know what, I I haven't been very thankful. I've been more critical than thankful. But I want to see God do a transformation in my heart and life. Would you just get up and join me right down here at this moment as well? Come on, come on. And at the same time, if you would say, you know what, I haven't spent any time in prayer other than praying over my cheeseburger for McDonald's in, in a minute and then just moving on. But I, I, I hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying about praying without ceasing. I understand that I'm not constantly praying where I can't do my job and can't take care of my kids and can't make my Pop-Tarts, but, but I just need to keep that attitude of prayer. If you understand this morning that, that conditions you're in, if you so understand do not have to touch the condition of your heart and your life and your joy but you haven't you haven't understood that very clearly until this morning would you make a stand and would you come now right now and this one last thing if you say to me right now pastor you know what i haven't done very well at partaking of the gospel sure i'm saved I haven't worried about anybody else. And, and honestly, my salvation and my growth has been rather stunted because I haven't eaten in a long time. I haven't sat down at that table and taken that knife and fork out and just began to, to bring it in and partake of the, the feast of God's word, the good news, the gospel, the truth. But that's going to change today. I need it and those around me need it desperately. How many of you would stand up and come and join these that are already at this, this altar area of our church and just make your stand right now? Would you come now? push aside everything else. I know there's more people that need to be down here. And I'm not just saying that to guilt anybody in. I'm saying it because this is your time. This is your moment. Young people, adults, whatever stage of life you find yourself in, if the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with your heart right now on any of these things, especially your salvation, because you don't want to miss that amazing place that Jesus is preparing right now. Would you make your steps forward and come and join us at the front of this church? Give just another moment for any, any more who would say, yep, that's me. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? This is your moment, just another moment. And then we're going to pray. Then we're going to worship. And we're going to celebrate. And we're going to go from this place, changed people. And when we come back next week, I'm not even believing we're going to have to prime the pump. I'm not even believing we're going to have to have a a warm-up song or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to believe that we're going to come in here and there's going to be people that are just hungry for the presence of God that's going to be celebrating with their church family and we're going to blow the doors off this place because you've partaken. You've been thankful. You've been praying. You've been communicating. You've been in the presence of Jesus all week. How can that not change your life and the lives of those around you? 
I want to ask now that you may not even know who's walked down here, but you just sense the Lord wants you to come and pray with somebody and pray for somebody. Would you just move from your seat now and become and surround these ladies, this, this man that's down here and just begin to partner with them in prayer. And when I say partner with them, I mean, do some praying, do some talking to them, find out how you can pray for them specifically, get, get in their grill a little bit and just love on them and say, man, I'm here and I'm thankful to have this opportunity. What can I pray for you specifically about right now? And if they feel okay to share that, they're going to share that. They may just say, hey, you know, just, just pray that, that my walk with God gets closer. I don't know, but just, just begin to do that right now. I want everybody else in this room to stand to your feet. I want everybody else in this room to lift your hands toward the Lord in heaven above. He's here now. He's with us, but, but he reigns from, from heaven above. You say, well, Pastor... I'm not whatever y'all are. That's okay. If you're a Christian, just raise your hands and surrender. Raise your hands and worship. Raise your hands right now to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of glory. Father God, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that joy that this world cannot give us. Only you, only you, the real joy and the real joy giver can provide to our lives. And I rebuke the enemy right now that has tried to steal joy from your people. Right now, in the name of Jesus, that enemy is defeated. And Lord, whatever other venues of joy they've tried, they've reached out for, they've been grasping for, God, we cut that off in the name of Jesus, and we say without any reservation that you are our joy, our salvation, and our strength today, God. We live in that joy. And for those that have come to do business with you around this altar this morning, whether it be for salvation, God, whether it be to have that attitude of prayer that continues in their life, to cultivate that communication, whether it be to develop that attitude of gratitude and not, not get caught up in the, the junk of this world of grumbling and complaining and negativity, whether it be that partaking of the gospel that you've called every Christian to be a part of God. I don't know, but you know. And right now they are praying and doing business. And Lord, they are working through some things with the help of the Holy Spirit and prayer partners who are down here right now just loving on them and ministering to them. But right now all across this congregation, I just pray for a revival to come from the left to the middle to the right, God. From the right to the middle to the left. From the middle to the left to the right. From the middle to the right to the left, God. That revival would sweep through our classrooms where our precious children are. We had to take more, more chairs into the foundry this morning because so many kids are coming, God. We are so, so blessed, God, to see a harvest at Connections Church of people. But we just don't want bodies, God. We want people whose hearts are on fire, who are sold out to Jesus and are exuding the joy of the Lord, just gushing it wherever they go because they really know you and they walk in real relationship with you. And now, Lord, as we worship through this anthem of praise one more time this morning, God, let us do so with everything that's in us. Let us do so with joyful hearts. Let us do so, God, with passion and praise on our lips and in our lives. And we do this today in Jesus' name as your body of believers here at Connection. Worship him today, church. He is worthy. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.